we're all people and we all want the same things in life you know we want to be happy we want to be safe you know and um I, I, my mission is to try and break down those divisions, whether it's politics, whether it's your nationality, your ethnicity, your religion, and just bring it back to the most important thing, which is just being a human, being a person. And the only way I can do that is, is through music. Welcome to Zestful Aging, where I interview thoughtful, inspiring, and influential guests who are changing the way we think about what is possible in our lives. I'm your host, Nicole Christina, psychotherapist and fellow Zestful Ager. Our music is courtesy of Judy Banker, who was a previous guest on Zestful Aging, and her CD, Buffalo Motel, is available now. You can find out more about Judy on her website, judybanker.com. Well, zestful agers, get ready to feel blown away. My interview coming up is not a a typical guest that I have. Uh, First of all, it's not a middle-aged woman. It is actually a young man who I met through his mom, who is uh, Joe Blackwell, who uh, I I was a guest on her podcast, and uh, she was a guest on mine. She told me what her son was doing, the Four Bar Collective, going around the world and collaborating with musicians in all cultures, and I was fascinated by it. And I decided, you know what, this is my podcast. And if I want to have a 28 year old man on it, I'm going to do it. So uh, fasten your seatbelts, because this is absolutely spectacular. I know that everyone is feeling really stressed and anxious right now. We're all unsettled and feel out of control. So I created a free download for you for maintaining mental health based on my 30 years as a psychotherapist. Um, Just go to zestfulaging.com and it is all yours. Well, as always, I've got my little loyal Jack Russell Sparky right by my side. So let's begin. We have a fantastic interview for you today. I'm really excited about it. We're going to be speaking with Dan Blackwell. He's a composer and filmmaker from the UK, and he travels the world making independent documentaries. He collaborates with musicians from other cultures to create original pieces of music for a project called Four Bar Collective. Dan's mission is to bring people together through music and ultimately humanize the demonized and get the unheard a voice. Welcome to the program, Dan. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so excited to speak with you. So this mission seems particularly relevant right now, especially as the U.S. is so divisive politically and uh, I think really feeling fractured and wounded. And I know in your country, Brexit is causing a lot of conflict among your own citizens. Can you talk a little bit about what the mission is and how you hope to bring unity to a really fractured world? 
You're, yes, you're absolutely right. And I think it's, it's, it's more than just America and the UK as well. I think it's all over the world. Um, we've seen a, a growing divide between the left wing and the right wing, and people have become more and more divided and into two separate camps. And what I see so much is that people dehumanize each other and put each other into boxes and communication is breaking down and we're forgetting what's really important is that we're all people and we all want the same things in life. You know, we want to be happy, we want to be safe, you know, and um, I, I, my mission is to try and break down those divisions, whether it's politics, whether it's your nationality, your ethnicity, your religion, and just bring it back to the most important thing, which is just being a human, being a person. And the only way I can do that is, is through music. Um, so when I, back in 2013, uh, I would have been about 21, um, I was working as a session musician, uh, as a guitarist and a producer. And I learned lots doing that and it was fantastic and I got to tour a lot and meet loads of people. But I also found it was really backbiting and there was a lot of negativity. So I decided to leave it all behind and create my own project, which was all about collaboration and fusing genres and different kinds of people, you know, because what, what I love about music is every musical genre has a different culture associated to it. You know, if you look back to the mods and the rockers to now with with hip hop, gangster rap and stuff like that and um, punk music, there's there's a different culture attached to it. So what I really like the idea of is fusing cultures together and mm. ergo fusing those cultures together. So it started out, the reason my project's called Four Bar Collective is I would record four bars of music from each musician. So I would drive to a drummer's house, record four, a four bar beat with him, and then I'd go to a bassist's house and she would put a four bar bass line to that beat. And over the over the tour, I would record about 20 musicians and then collate all those loops onto one track. So I could promote all the musicians through it and we could create original fusion music and also e explore how different cultures can come together, you know, in a symbolic way through the music. Mm -hmm. That's that's so beautiful. Uh, do you remember the the day or the moment when you were a session musician and you said, this is just not how I see my life's work, even though I'm doing music, I'm playing music, I got to do something different. Do you remember that epiphany? Yeah, th there was an exact moment. There was a lot of, um, I was having issues with, with my manager and um, the, the person I was playing session guitar for, I think he just got a gig with Lana Del Rey or something like that. And he was just like, okay, uh, we're going to the next stage now. So let's drop Dan, let's cut Dan out. And um leave him behind and get a new producer and just kind of throw me away sort of thing. Mm. And so I went to bed that night and I didn't sleep for a second. I just sat there all night concocting this whole plan in my head of what I was going to do. And I was making all these notes. And within a week, I had my first tour planned and I just went full steam ahead with that. I'm not just going to sit on my hands. I'm going to do something that propels me forward. And another thing about this project is it's something that's always taken me from a dark place in my life and it's lifted me up and it's like I've been a train that I can ride on to take me forward that I've sort of created myself to, to bring me out of negative spaces into positivity and a couple of years ago um, I was in a very very negative place I was, I was really depressed um, you know I'd I, I, I had so much anxiety I, I was struggling with alcoholism and I I, I just kind of just had a bit of a breakdown really and 
I'd, I'd, the project wasn't doing anything, and I found out about this orchestra um, in Afghanistan called Zora, and I didn't know that it was illegal for women to play music there, and that they could be under threat from the Taliban or from their families, domestic abuse, and all, all kinds of situations that it could bring about. And this orchestra was the first ever female orchestra in Afghanistan. And it was led by uh, a woman called Nagin Kapalwak, who was the first ever female conductor. And I just thought their story was so incredible, listening to the, the snippets of interviews that were online, where they're telling, telling about the adversity that they'd faced, and they'd just pursued their passion for music and education in spite of all of it. So I was, I was so inspired that that night I wrote a piece of music called Sisters, a classical piece, and I scored it all out and I sent it to them. Um, as like an open letter. So, dear Zora, um, I'm a musician from the UK. I've found out about your story. I'm really inspired. I've written you this piece of music. Um, would you like to to perform it? And I could come over to Kabul and record you performing it. And they got back to me. <laughs> so I spoke to a friend of mine who uh, who was a filmmaker, and he said, you can't just go to, to, to Afghanistan <laughs> and just record a piece of music. <laughs> and then, That's and then insane. come home. Yeah, and then come home. <laughs> he was like, you have to interview them. You, you could make a film around this. Oh, my goodness. And I goodness. was like, okay, so that's what I'm going to do. So I decided, because... I have a, I, I had pretty much no experience in filming or anything like that. I had some experience in video editing, um, but I thought, you know, if, if I just plan it enough and if I really put my mind to it and just envision every camera angle and, and the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to set it up on the tripod, I think I can put this together by myself. So I borrowed some cameras uh, off my mum, actually, who's a professional <laughs> photographer, uh, much to her terror. Um, <laughs> luckily, she went along with it. She was like, okay, okay, sure. Uh, I was like, honestly, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. <laughs> so I've never shot a documentary in my life. I've never shot a short film in my life. So I decided to shoot my first ever short, my first ever documentary, feature length, in Afghanistan. Mm. Um, so it kind of gives you an idea of what kind of mental place I was in. But it gave me this this opportunity to do something that was so much bigger than myself, that was helping other people and to interact with people who were going through serious, serious hardship. And and I thought that could not only could I help them, but they could help me as well, you know, and the whole project would help me um, and, and bring me out of this slump that I was in. And oh my goodness. I mean, you're talking about finding your purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. What a difference. It's one thing to 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 play your music. It's another thing to feel like this is my way of changing the world. Yeah. Yeah. I just mm. it 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 was very interesting because sometimes you have to be at rock bottom to, yes. to be able to be completely liberated, to feel like you could do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, because I was in a position where where I was so low that I just felt a complete freedom in order to just go and do that. Um, and I, I did it all properly. I didn't just fly over there willy nilly like I. It's <laughs> a very English term, willy nilly. Uh, I'm just laughing being a mother and thinking uh, that your son would say, I have a great idea. I'm going to oh, yeah. go to Afghanistan. I mean, how does one do that properly? by the way. Well, I, I had a friend uh, who I went to school with um, who was a bit older than me and she worked for Afghan Aid over there. So she'd uh, been living in Kabul for a couple of years. So that, that 
was a light bulb above my head and I thought, okay, I'll contact her. She'll know people. And she did. She knew a safe house. She knew a team um, that had armored vehicles, that had mercenaries. Um, so I contacted them and they gave me a quote. It was the funniest thing, really, because, you know, usually, you know how you see on a hostel or a hotel, it's just like, oh, um, uh, pillows, towels, uh, yes, all yes. this. So they had all that. And then it was like bulletproof vest, armor oh, vehicle, you oh, know, <laughs> what extras oh. do you want on your list? <laughs> Fantastic. It's an a la carte, you know. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I, I I'm sorry, I just I'm just trying to envision this. Had you been abroad before? Um yes, I'd before traveler, that I'd, yeah? I'd lived in New Zealand for a year. I'd lived okay. in Australia for a year. Um I'd been to Southeast Asia, I'd been to Borneo. Um, I'd been to America a few times as well, so I had plenty of experience of, of traveling on my own mm. um, and, and working these things out. So it was an accumulation of those experiences that made it possible, because if you look at the overall thing, it's, it's a very daunting thing to go mm. film this documentary in Afghanistan, but if you break it down into bite-sized pieces mm. of, okay, get to the airport, mm. get on a plane, mm. I've done all that before, you know, I know the number plates of the, of the vehicle picking me up, so I just, I had everything written out, everything planned i had a schedule hour by hour of what i was going to do where i was going to be and in this Afghanistan. is and this is something that if you're telling me it's illegal for women to listen or play to mu play music you had to be very careful i did yes uh, yeah I, I i contacted the government before i went because i thought that was a legal requirement and they emailed me back and they said that it's no longer a legal requirement it's simply a red zone if you go over there and if you get kidnapped by the taliban we're not going to do anything to help you basically oh. you know you're, you're just on your own it's a red zone go there at your own risk kind and of thing. reds re what does a red zone mean exactly somewhere not fit for travel not safe for travel oh gosh and you uh how did this get talked about in your family? Oh, um, well, I think a lot of it went on behind closed doors without me around, to be honest. So I can't really give you a full um, <laughs> scope of what that was. I bet there was a lot of, uh, a lot of confusion and uh, terror and oh, Dan's flown off the handle, especially because they knew that I'd had this mental breakdown as well. And they were all worried about me about that. And then I was like, I'm going to Afghanistan. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, great. Great. Yeah. Thanks. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. So were you able to stay in touch with your family and let them know you were safe? I messaged them every day. Yeah, oh, I, I had a, a Wi-Fi connection at the safe house. Um, so when I got there, I did a I did a little video showing my room and everything, just showing that I was safe, that I was OK. I had uh, shown I had everything on charge. Um, it mm. was I, I was on a mission while I was there. I was constantly switched on and focusing on the task at hand. I wasn't worrying about being kidnapped or any of that kind of thing because I was just too focused on do, doing my, doing what I was there to do. Um, and I planned it all out properly and it did, it did all, all go, um, it did all go to plan. Um, Will you tell me a little bit about, so when you first met, was it Zora, the group, you, you made uh, connections and uh, you had a plan to meet them? Yeah, so I'd been talking to them over Facebook, mm. um, which is, it seems crazy, doesn't it? Yeah, I was talking to them all on Messenger, and I still do. I still talk to them uh, via email or Messenger now. Um, I've built a very strong connection with them, especially a woman called Zarifa Adiba. Um, mm. She 
went viral uh, just before I went over there with a video called Bad Girl, where somebody interviewed her while they were on a tour um, of Europe. And she said, a good girl is somebody who doesn't go to school. A good girl is somebody who listens to their father. A good girl never leaves the kitchen. And unfortunately, mm. I'm a bad girl because I want to pursue music. I want to play my instruments and I want to do all the things that I love. Mm. And... I th I just thought she was absolutely incredible. She was 18 mm. at the time. Oh my goodness. Yeah, yeah. And um she she um she had received all these death threats. Uh her uncles had broken her arm to stop her playing viola. Um she had faced all these serious issues and when I got there on the first day, I she was guiding me because I got lost on the way to there's like a music school that that they do it at, which again has been come under a lot of attacks in a secret location and all this kind of stuff. Um and she was guiding me to the gates and everything. She was worried about me because she was like, you know, being in Afghanistan is very dangerous. Mm. Um, and then when I got there, she wasn't there, oh. which was very confusing. So I did the whole shoot. I, I did. I recorded the piece. I, I filmed the music video all in that first day. And then that evening I got back. I, I messaged her. I was like, where, where were you? Mm. You know, you're like mm -hmm. one of the key keep keep uh people in 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 all of this and um she was like i, I just i i've got a lot going on right now i did, didn't my mum wouldn't let me leave the house i didn't feel safe um and i was like if i can get a car to pick you up or if there's a way we can get you to the school safely would you be willing to do an interview with me and we can record your part separately and i managed to get her in and we had an interview we her interview went on for about three hours i think mm -hmm. we talked about absolutely everything and it was so nice. She said. She said in it. She said. Um, she just said it was so nice talking to me because she felt like we'd just been friends forever, and she could. Mm -hmm. She opened up about everything. She told me her entire life story, mm -hmm. and it was so touching. And she, cl she clearly had all these struggles and all these issues, and she just needed somebody to support her. And um, I filmed her fleeing the country that day um, because she was under threat from her family. Um, and I think she was being forced into an arranged marriage that she didn't want to be in. Um, and so I had to film her saying goodbye to her, all her, all her best friends, everybody that she, she knew and her viola as well, which she had to leave behind at the school because it belonged to the school. And oh. she was in pieces because she wasn't going to have her instrument. And she was like, there's no way I can get an instrument where I'm going. Um, and I just, I promised her that I was going to get her, her viola somehow. And luckily, a couple of months after I got back from Afghanistan, I did manage to, uh, I, I just bought one eventually. I tried to do a fundraiser, but that all fell through. So I just bought one outright, spent the last mm. of my money oh <laughs> on my. a viola and sent it over to where she was. And I was in communication with her aunts and I got it to her. And oh my goodness, Dan, this is like a life changing for both of you. It was, yeah. Um yeah, so that I'm still in regular contact with her to to make sure she's okay, and she's at university now uh, in Central Asia, um, and she's doing really, really well. Um, so that's great. But I, I would I would uh, Skype with her all the time to check on her and talk her through things, help her with uh, applying to universities and things, universities mm -hmm. and things like that, um, because she just had so much potential, and to see it get crushed would would just be heartbreaking. Like I couldn't just let that happen, but. As going back to what I was saying before, it, it gave me so much purpose, you know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and and from from doing that Afghanistan project, I decided to that I would do a whole series of them. That why just stop at one? Just focus mm -hmm. the idea a little bit more. And 
Now I want to do a whole series. Um, I actually shot a second episode collaborating Palestinians and Israelis, mm-hmm. um, which had a lot of challenges in itself. Uh, I came under attack very heavily from the far left from that, um, s- claiming that I was far right and that I was anti-Palestine because mm. I was working with Israelis. I see. Know? And these are from... And the, and the attacks are coming from... People on your Facebook or uh, Facebook, Twitter. A, a lot of people in a lot of like university professors would uh, write me these sort of letters and stuff. Um, mm. Yeah, uh, but I would reply to them, and they would never reply back. I, I offered to meet all all of the people criticizing me uh, mm. for it because they they didn't know what I was doing. They just all they saw was that I was working with Israelis, and I they were just see. like, right, he's anti-Palestine. He's this. He's that. This, I, I was like, that's the opposite of what I'm. Do- I want to show. Because the, the the way I see it is we see f- very far left media and we see very far right media when it comes to that, that conflict. And I, I try mm-hmm. to stay very apolitical uh, with this project. It's all about humanity. It's, it's a humanitarian project at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I read I read one article where it was saying about how uh, Israeli soldiers shot dead all these Palestinians for no reason and, and all this. And then I read another article about the same event where it was saying about uh, these Palestinians were all carrying signs saying death to all Jews and things like that. Oh, and they were going to climb the wall and start killing families and things. And somewhere in between those two stories is the truth. Right. But right. if you focus, if, if you're surrounding yourself by one side of the media, mm-hmm. you're going to demonize people and build up these ideas in your head. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there's been a lot of atrocities on both sides. I, I don't want to get into that. But right. what I wanted to get into was actually talking to the people, the actual mm. people, the, the Israeli people living there, the musicians and the Palestinian people living in West Bank and places like that and hear what they thought about it and, and did they work together? Were there Israeli musicians and Palestinian musicians in the same band and things like that? And there were. And it was it, it was an incredible experience. Um, but I want to go on from that and I want to do do many more. I've got all these different ideas for documentaries. I've got one. Mm-hmm. I want to collaborate uh, North Korean defector musicians who mm-hmm. fled the country mm-hmm. to pursue music because, of course, you have to perform a specific type of music there and it's very militant. And I want to collaborate them with um, South Koreans. Oh, um, I have another one about uh, punk music in Russia, about the, the bands that have been arrested over there um, for, for playing music and, and, and the situation over there, you know. So through music, I, I can shine a light on these different humanitarian societal uh, situations and, and tell the story, you know. And there's one I want to do in America as well, in L.A. Um, there's a, uh, an organization called Homeboy Industries, which is incredible. It's run by a guy called Father Gregory Boyle. Um, I think I've got that right. And he takes um, ex-gang members and rehabilitates mm-hmm. them. And mm-hmm. he has this whole system um, where he helps them get employment. Uh, they do tattoo removals, mm-hmm. all these kinds of things. And I was watching I think interviews I've heard with of them. That. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely incredible. And what I want to do with that is I want to create a sort of essentially an anti-gangster rap song. I want to have a, <laughs> a, a hip-hop track where on every verse I've got somebody from a different gang background, whether oh it's from the Bloods gosh. or the Crips or from the Latino gangs, all these uh-huh. gangs that are, are at war with each other, I would like to get ex-gang members essentially telling the same story through poetry. Oh my goodness. You know? See, the, I think it's so interesting because your work requires you to go where there's the highest conflict and therefore, you know, the most danger. 
Yeah, essentially. Well, it makes good TV, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I I suppose so. <laughs> oh my goodness. Let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Copper Compression, for supporting the Zestful Aging podcast. Copper Compression was in the news recently when they donated their entire stock of 18,000 masks to New York and New Jersey hospitals. Thank you so much for that. We're happy to work with a brand that has its values in the right place. Copper Compression offers a full range of copper-infused wellness products like braces, gloves, and sleeves that provide targeted relief and the support you need through your active recovery. They have the highest copper content on the market, guaranteed. Copper-infused fabric is really an amazing material. It has antimicrobial and anti-odor properties, and it helps increase blood flow. This unique combination of compression and copper gives you the strength to heal. Many of you know that I'm an avid tennis player, and over the years I've had to deal with the pain of plantar fasciitis. And for those of you who haven't experienced it, it literally feels like walking on little nails. It is very painful, Uh, but their plantar fasciitis foot supports have really helped me. They're also offering a generous 30% off on your first order just for zestful aging listeners. So go to coppercompression.com forward slash zestful aging, or you can just use the promo code zestful aging at checkout for your discount. Again, a big thanks to Copper Compression for their support. So it, it sounds to me like your life has forever changed. It's constantly changing. Yeah, and, and it's forever changed. Ever since learning about Zora, my life has mm-hmm. completely changed and my project completely changed. Um, and it's, it's had ups and downs and, you know, it's, I've just been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. It's, it's so hard. I had to do a fundraiser to go to Afghanistan. So I raised nearly £2,000 um, to, to go over there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously spending out my own pocket again um, as well. And I, I lost a lot of money doing the Israel one as well mm. um, because I, I had sponsorship for that, but they had to pull out because they were getting so many threats like I was. Mm. And, you know, whereas I could kind of take the death threats and all that kind of thing, they were a bit like, right, OK, we're a charity. We don't we, we can't don't, really yeah. <laughs> get tied into this political situation, oh, you know, goodness. there's um, some real irony there. That they, you know, they're a charity, they're trying to do this good work, and yet they can't support your project because of people's reactions. They were just coming under far too much scrutiny, and I do I do understand why they had to pull out. Mm-hmm. But um, recently, about a year ago, I signed a deal with uh, a broadcasting agency, so they're uh, a sales agency. So their job is they go to all the film festivals and they show my Afghanistan film at at Cannes and all those those big ones and mm-hmm. they try and broker a deal with broadcasters so mm-hmm. I, in an ideal world I want to deal with say Netflix or Apple or Amazon yes, or something like that course. to get a full series deal but those negotiations have been going on for about a year now and I've kind of been sat on my hands as I was instructed to like okay you've done your bit now you know 
let us let us uh, go and sell it or bring it in front of uh, the big um, companies exactly and uh, with covid now happening uh, with the coronavirus obviously that's on hold as well and i've just decided that i can't sit on my hands anymore and i need to be proactive again so i'm looking into making a third documentary and just keep on grinding at it keep on working at it the next one i want to do uh, is uh, a refugee camp off the coast of greece um, Mm -hmm. because Musically, I think it's very interesting to have a situation where you have people from all these different cultures thrown into one place where they all have to live together. You know, if you've got people from Syria and people from different countries in Africa and Afghanistan and all these places, what happens if you collaborate those genres together? You know, if you look back to the to the early days of uh, of America, where you had Irish people coming over and, and people from Africa coming over, and those genres fusing together, and and the blues being born, That's you know, right, right. could could we create a new a new genre through that? Could could these situations that are happening could something positive come from it? You know, this new kind of delta kind of of, um, mm-hmm. kind of world music and also just the stories need to be told from those places because the camp that I want to go to um, I think it's called Mora um, it's built for about 3,000 and I think mm-hmm. they're, they're currently at about 20,000 mm-hmm. um, but they have music projects over there they, they are uh, they are learning um, they teach music they have like lessons and they have weekly gigs and things like that so there are musicians there with instruments and I'm thinking I might even bring instruments along if I can um, and yeah just make an original track with them and mm-hmm. and do something special there so yeah what is it on. about music Dan I mean t- talk to our audience you know most of us are not musicians most of us listen to music um, and I know there's obviously research about the way it affects our brains you know that that's been studied but what is it for you that's so unifying about music well I think when I was younger, I was somebody who never fit in. You know, I was that 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 young kid with painted black nails and <laughs> eyeliner and a big hoodie, and I just I didn't I, I just couldn't conform, and I felt totally isolated. I thought I was the only one, and I would listen to music, I would listen to metal and things like that, and suddenly I wouldn't feel alone anymore because mm-hmm. I would listen to Kurt Cobain or something and be like, oh my god, I he's. I'm I'm the same, and the, it's, mm. and and then there's a whole fan base around that band, and then you meet up, and, and it brings people together, and I think deep down there's something. Music is art, and you can appreciate all kinds of art in different ways. But for me, I I find music to be the most beautiful form of artistic expression because it it really. Um, brings emotion out of you you know music can make you cry music can make you angry Mm -hmm. music can make you happy it can make you dance it can can bring all these things out and I deal with my emotions through music rather than getting angry and punching a wall or something like some people do I listen to angry music rather than um you you know if, if something really sad has happened I can listen to really sad music I can listen to hallelujah by Jeff Buckley and it'll It'll bring me to tears and I can let it all out. It's cathartic, you know. And so I think there's something about that with music that it just it just brings people together. And people may have political differences or all kinds of differences, but they can agree that this music is beautiful. And they so can it's not even. Yes. Yeah, so it's not. I mean, I'm just trying to think about it in terms of our psyche and our brain. And it's pre-verbal, right? I mean, it has. it's not about thinking and articulating. It goes deeper and beyond words. It, 
Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, because e even with, with instrumental music as well, the emotions it, it can bring out. Um, and it's just, yeah, like when you see people playing music together, the way they're connecting and they're synchronizing with their minds, you know, mm -hmm. when, when, when you see people jamming together. So what I love to do is I love to bring people who may have um, conflicting backgrounds and have them jam music together and see that connection form between them is, is something really, really beautiful, I think. You know, I uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I seem to remember reading research that when people collaborate musically, their heartbeats become synced. I've know? heard I've heard that as well. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I believe that to be true. I need to do more research. I, I can't I can't say uh, with all certainty, but I, right. I have heard that as well. That something very elemental happens. It's not a thinking intellectual process like, you know, maybe this Israeli isn't so bad. Um, it's not that. That's It's not a higher thinking intellectual uh, exercise. Yeah, well, I think it, it puts you in a flow state, you know. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, I've had little jams before, like I, 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 did, I did a drum circle once. I went to a sort of a, a kind of a retreat weekend and we had this like, drum music therapy kind of session and I'm not I'm not a p particularly a drummer or anything but we all had to take turns doing solos and stuff like that and I found that whenever I thought about what I was doing it's like okay I'm gonna do this little fill I would go out of time and I'd mess it up mm -hmm. but if I just let myself fall into it mm -hmm. and I just don't think I suddenly started playing stuff I didn't know I could do I had no idea I could do rhythms like that and, and, and perform like that. And, and the energy just started coming out of me and it just, it just flows. And yeah, I think when you're playing music like that, you, you do go into that flow state. Mm -hmm. And I think with my project, it's something, it can, it can break down these, these things that we say make us, whether you're Palestinian or Israeli, you know, you're, you're two people is what you are. Mm -hmm. You're people. You shouldn't be defined by, by these, the, these man-made con constraints that we put mm -hmm. on ourselves you know mm -hmm. we are all humans that is just so fascinating did you always know you were a musical person uh coming up or is that something you discovered uh later on i, I think i always loved music from from when i was like a toddler sat on my my uh, granddad's knee playing me Johnny Cash and stuff I, I loved it and mm -hmm. I, I was I'm lucky to be in quite a big family I've got two sisters and a brother and uh, my mum and my dad they all listen to different things so I'd, I'd get Led Zeppelin from my dad and I'd get <laughs> System of a Down from my brother and Marilyn Manson from my sister and oh, Elvis goodness. from my mum you know Elvis I, Elvis Costello or Elvis Presley Elvis Presley ah. yeah the king of course <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I I just just ate it up, and yeah, you were natural. Yeah, it, was, I just it sounds loved like it. it was also in your genes. And it, did you find that? Well, you said it was therapeutic when you discovered. As it sounds like you went a little goth when you. Oh went. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicole, I've been through every single phase you can imagine. I've been a hippie with no shoes. I've been a mod with the with the with the thin tie and the suits. Oh. I've been a punk with the safety pin through my ears. I've been oh, a goth with all all black in the makeup. I see you've done it all. I've done it all through eyes that just the. <laughs> <laughs> the worst teenager you can possibly imagine oh. completely off the rails. <laughs> uh, you know, just desperate to feel a sense of belonging, I'm guessing. 
Yeah, and just this, this, you're just constantly trying to find out who you are at that age, aren't you? You know, so I, I wanted to try all these different things. And I, what I found, I guess, looking back on it, what I found is I, I related so much to all these different kinds of music, mm. you know, so I immersed myself in the different cultures that came along with the genres so i would go out and do different things you know there was a period of time where i was going to loads of raves i was into dance music and i was i was getting into the, the rave culture and the fashion mm. of that or there was a time i was into rock culture and i was going to all the gigs and into into the the culture of that or hip-hop you know and mm -hmm. so by by going through all these different uh different sort of genres and different fashions i was experiencing different cultures so i guess over time that's how it all accumulated to come to the project that that i do now it all kind of comes full circle really mm -hmm. oh my goodness and in terms of your mental health does it feel like uh that has been resolved in some way or that there's a healing in terms of you having such a clear purpose Definitely, definitely. But um, I think the most important thing, actually, is is that I found that my 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 the healing of my mental health really came from coming away from that that need for purpose, and that actually my validation can only come from within, and mm -hmm. that I needed to stop looking for it from outside and thinking about what other people think of me. So, you know, I needed to go full into defining myself on what I did to come through the other end and then look at myself and go, okay, it's actually the opposite of that mm. that I need to do in order to heal is I need to just accept myself as me. And, you know, my little two-year-old niece, when she doesn't look, when she looks at me, she doesn't go, oh, he, he makes documentaries, he's <laughs> done this, he's done that. It's uh, my Uncle Dan. I love him. Yes. You know? He makes yes. me feel this way. He makes it's me feel essence. happy. Yeah. It's your essence, he makes not me your feel resume. Loved. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I think... Looking at it like that, I, I think that's really the way to to heal with mental health. But it's I don't think it's something, depending on what your mental health issues are, it's a lot of the time it's something that won't necessarily go away. It's just something you can constantly work on and learn more tools and be able to deal with it better. Like a lot of people complain about getting older, but I love getting older. Every year mm. that goes by, I'm less paranoid, I'm less anxious, I'm less self-conscious, I'm mm. more sure of myself, I'm more confident. I can't wait to be 30. And after that, I'll be being 40, then 50, <laughs> you know? How how sure of myself and how happy within myself will I be when I'm 60, you know? Mm. That's really exciting to me. And I think that's a really a, a good frame to be in because when I look back on every year of my life, it's just, oh, I wouldn't want to be in that state of mind again. Wouldn't mm -hmm. want to be that anxious teenager again, you know? Yes, People are always had... dreaming about being teenagers. No, no, oh, it was awful. Oh, <laughs> so painful. So painful. So I think that a lot of our listeners, um, and as as I've said, you know, people all over the uh, all over the world were in so many countries now would really want to learn more about this and also support you, Dan. And so what I'd like to know is how to get in touch with you and how to help you do this work that is the healing that we need right now desperately. 
Well, at this point, um, the, the, the main hub, the best way to get in contact with me and the way to see clips from my documentaries and other small projects that I do uh, in 4Bar Collective is to go to the Facebook page, which okay. is facebook.com forward slash 4Bar Collective. Four it's as in number? Number four, numeric okay. four, B-A-R yeah. Collective. Okay, okay. And then they can see your projects, what's going on. And if they wanted to um, participate, uh, would they do that also by sending you like a Facebook message? By sending that... me a message over there, that mm -hmm. would be absolutely perfect. And the, everything's up in the air right now with, uh, with the coronavirus and everything. So I don't know when the next, next documentary will be filmed. You know, it could be a few months. It could be a year at this, mm -hmm. this rate. We really don't know, um, when everything will open up again. Um, but the best way I think people can help me right now is if, if you're a writer, if you work for a newspaper, uh, then get in touch with me if you want mm -hmm. to, to write an article about it. What, what I need is exposure is mm -hmm. I need, I need, more more followers of the page and more people to just get involved and get in touch and just get it bigger and bigger and bigger mm -hmm. so that when if the, if say if the broadcasting deal doesn't come off and I do decide right we're going to self fund it and I'm going to do fundraisers then I have the audience there that's that's mm -hmm. ready to to back the right. project and really get into it mm -hmm. um so the best thing is if you just if if you have any ideas or if you want to get involved if you want to collaborate with me mm -hmm. go over to the facebook page at facebook.com forward slash four bar collective mm -hmm. send me a message there and I'll, I'll message back very quickly that sounds wonderful. I really encourage people to do this. And I think in particularly in, in these times with COVID, we're seeing that what happens in the U.S. is, you know, there's, there's such a ripple effect that we're part of one global community and that we have to do better in, in making it more peaceful and collaborative. Absolutely. I think mm -hmm. that as 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 much of a as of a tragedy the coronavirus has been, there there have been positives as well. The sense of community, you know, when I walk around uh, my neighborhood, everybody's saying hello to me now. Yes, Everybody I, wants to chat. Isn't it's beautiful. that interesting? Yeah. It's so different. People are waving. People I've seen walking their dog for years that we've never waved because we don't know each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and what I really hope is that it stays, is that we don't just go back to how it was before mm -hmm. and that we keep this sense of community and this sense of oneness mm -hmm. that's so beautiful and, and the way we, we need to go as humanity, you know, the, mm -hmm. the division and everything, the way it's been going, it needs, it needs to stop, yes. you know. But yes. maybe it, it's been getting worse and worse and maybe it's just lancing a boil, you know, with, with, with Brexit, um, it revealed a lot. You know, because I'm sure lots of people have good had good reasons for for voting for Bre for for leave for Brexit. Personally, I voted Remain for my reasons. But what was interesting about it was that it empowered the minority of racists to all come out of the woodwork because oh. they believed that the majority were had the same ideas, and it was like, oh, get all the foreigners out. And it's oh. like, no, that's not actually what this is about. I mean, a lot of groups are painting it that way, but. All of these minorities come out in, in droves, you know, and I saw I the, the village down the road from me. I saw a car with a swastika on it, you know, and oh we, we've had rallies going on. It, it's happening all over and it's happening all over Europe. 
you know, um, mm-hmm. and and in America with with Trump and stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. in many ways, I I think it could be a a, a good thing because he again, it's exactly the same situation. Mm-hmm. I don't think that every Donald Trump supporter is 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 in is a a B or C, you know, or a racist this that or the other. But all the racists and all the mm-hmm. you know the the prejudiced people out there. They they're definitely behind him, mm-hmm. and they definitely feel empowered to come out and have their voices yes, heard. Yes, sir. You know? That is for sure. That it really shines a very harsh light. It really does. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. if if there's a problem, you know, you can't solve that problem until it's been revealed. You know, you mm-hmm. reveal it and you heal it, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's been revealed in the UK, in America, all over the mm-hmm. world. We it's it's been revealed the issue that we have, and so now. I think we can actually start to, to, start to heal. heal from that and rebuild and and make a better world from it. Yeah. Oh, that's that. I love that, Dan. I am so. I'm just so uh, touched by your work, and I'm so grateful that um, we had a chance to connect and talk. And I I just um, wish you all the best of luck. I think this project is beautiful. And I certainly will do whatever I can to help you uh, be successful. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I enjoyed having the conversation with Dan. Might have been that I had too much coffee, but I feel really just moved, touched, and uh it just really blown away by how he has uh, helped his own mental health without really meaning to, but finding purpose in the world, really helping with healing and collaboration. It was so inspiring to me and I think is exactly the kind of thing we all need to feel right now is a sense of coming together and a sense of healing. So I'm so appreciative that uh, Dan was willing to speak with me today. And I just want to put out an extra shout out. If whatever whatever you can do, if it's monetary, if it's just sending him um, a uh, text to support him, uh, reach him again on uh, Facebook for that's uh, as the numeral four bar collective let him know that you heard the interview and that you're supporting him I think it can be a lonely process especially now in COVID so um, I ask you to go ahead and let him know that you're rooting for him thanks again for listening Thank you so much for joining us on Zestful Aging. If you like the podcast, please share it with some of your friends. I love to hear from my listeners. Send me an email at NicoleChristina.com. Hello, Zesties. I want to tell you about one of my all-time favorite exercise and stress reduction tools, which I am really relying on during this quarantine, but I've sung its praises for years. The benefits are seemingly endless. Uh, It's great for toning and strengthening muscles. It improves your lymph system, your metabolism. It helps with joint pain and balance, and it's even used by NASA astronauts because it's such an efficient way to exercise. And if you're older or you're worried about your balance, you can order a stabilizer bar to hang on to.
I'm talking about my NEDAC Rebounder mini trampoline. I put on my music and I have my own dance party. Because for me, exercise needs to be fun and invigorating. Otherwise, I don't want to do it. Now is not the time for the philosophy of no pain, no gain, because we're in enough pain. This is a way to feel good and energized and have fun. It really does help mood as well. And I like that NEDAC is made in the USA and it is really solid. I've had mine for 15 years and it's still in great shape. The NEDAC Rebounder will help us get through this quarantine in better shape mentally and physically. And there's also a model that folds up if space is an issue. One of my clients puts it on her driveway and uses it while she's watching her kids during the quarantine. Anyway, I can't recommend NEDAC Rebounders enough. They are a worthwhile investment in your health and overwhelm overall well-being, especially now. If you are interested in a mini trampoline, please don't buy a cheap one. Those can be actually dangerous, and it is really worth uh, investing in a good quality one. And right now, if you use the coupon code just for Zestful Aging listeners, the code is Zestful, they are going to include a free cover for you. So go to NEDAC.com, it's N-E-E-D-A-K.com, and if you have any questions, you can contact me at ZestfulAging.com. I really am their biggest fan. It's no secret that everyone's feeling pretty restless and unsettled right now. Our lives are upside down and the future is feeling pretty uncertain. But if you're anything like me, organizing my stuff can help me feel a little calmer. It's something I can do to help me feel a little more in control and in charge of my own life. If you think decluttering could help you feel better and you could use a little assistance with that, check out the online course I've developed with professional organizer and designer Carrie Luteran. It's called Too Much Stuff. And Too Much Stuff is different from other courses or articles or guidance you may have used. We give you clear steps to deal with the clutter and the tools to help you face the overwhelming feelings and the emotions that come up when we're going through our clutter. And a lot of those emotions are just feeling anxious or guilty or just basically flooded with a lot of different confusing feelings. The course is really practical. It's realistic. The lessons are short and punchy, and they're really manageable. We're not trying to set you up for some long, exploratory, you know, super in-depth, burdensome experience. We want something really helpful for you right now. We all need help with our anxiety. So, Being surrounded by more calm and less chaos can really help. So now's a good time to clear out the 
clutter so we can focus on what's really important in our lives. So find out more at zestfulaging.com. You'll see more about this under the web courses tab. If you have any questions, just shoot me an email at zestfulaging at gmail.com. Thanks so much. And stay tuned next week for another interview with a fascinating and inspiring guest.